because when we can work with something that is 60 seconds and it's a challenge, we can relate that to birth. And I can, you know, we can start talking about our coping skills. We can start talking about what they gravitate towards. So it's not that any pose that I'm teaching in a prenatal class is uh, like an advanced yoga pose, but we do want challenges so that people can feel when they hit that crisis of confidence, like, wow, this is really uncomfortable. How do they get through? Because as I often say, especially with like the mock contraction, no matter what you plan on doing in your labor, whether it's medicated or unmedicated, you're going to have some contractions that you can't get out of, or like your baby's crying and you can't just run away. You know, so how can we build the toolkit to get ourselves through that really muddy moment? Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Sneha Ghazi, and welcome back to another episode on Fit as a Fiddle. I'm a physical therapist and owner of Sneha Physical Therapy in New York City. I'm also the founder and executive director of Physical Therapy International Service Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit that brings free health resources to underserved communities all over the world. I am obsessed with the idea that if you feel better inside and out, you live a better life. Each episode on Fit as a Fiddle brings you phenomenal guests in the health and wellness space who share inspiring tips and tangible advice. I'm glad you're joining this community of listeners who strive to keep their mind, body, and spirit healthy and thriving. All things health and wellness starts right here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode on Fit as a Fiddle. Our guest today is Deb Flaschenberg. She is the founder and director of the Prenatal Yoga Center in New York City, and she's also a labor support doula, a Lamaze childbirth educator, and a mother of two. And Deb also has her own podcast as well and is going to talk to us today about all things birth and how prenatal yoga can support um, birthing individuals in easing labor um, and prenatally while they're pregnant and postpartum as well. So welcome onto the show today, Deb. Thank you so much for having me as your guest. Absolutely. Um, so let's get to know you a little bit more. So the audience gets to know your background and um, what brought you into the space, what brought you into yoga in the first place and um, sure. a little bit about your show and things that you do. Sure. So I started off as actually as a singer dancer and it was from doing a tour of carousel that everyone's like, oh, you should meet my friend Donna. You should meet my friend Donna. And so, and I finally did, she was doing yoga. So I started to get into yoga and it started to become where I should, I was thinking, oh, I should go to ballet, but I really want to go to yoga. So then I ended up just kind of acquiescing and going to yoga. So I got into yoga from a movement background, but I was studying a type of yoga that at the time felt really good. It was Bikram and I liked the heat and I liked the stretching. But after doing the training, I realized it was not my thing. You don't have any ability in that type of training to talk to your students and ask them what they want and to really individually work with them. And so after doing the training, I just realized this was not what I should do. So I ended up doing prenatal yoga. Now, this was over 20 years ago, and there was not a lot of yoga at that time. So I found a program and I jumped into that. And then I ended up becoming a doula after one of my students invited me to 
watch some births. I I was in my 20s and none of my friends were having kids. So she it's really illegal. She told everyone I was a med student. She dressed me up in scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I went to some births. I know it's really it's crazy. And but just from watching hos- typical hospital births, I realized that all I was doing at the time was just modifying yoga for the pregnant body, but I wasn't doing anything else. I wasn't giving them information about what could happen in the birthing space and how to advocate for themselves and how yoga can help with the birthing process. So I became a doula. And then from there, I became a Lamaze teacher. And then I went down to the farm in Tennessee and I did a midwifery assistant program and a pelvic floor teacher training. And I just kept gathering this information. So with the goal that yoga can help prepare the mind and body for a smoother, more efficient birth. And I really got into understanding the pelvic floor and how the pelvic floor and the bony pelvis can really affect how birth flows. And so that's been a passion for years. So it's something I'm really excited about. I love that. And you're speaking all my languages there. Oh, I know. (laughs) Um, So Deb, to give you background, I come from a dancing background as well. My mom is a dance teacher. And so that's all we did growing up. Um, And my mom did yoga herself for, you know, her whole life and coming from India, like that's that's just a big part of our culture. Um, And when I say yoga, like not just the yoga asanas aspect of it, but like yoga, the entire way of life and the system of it. Um, so when I did my teacher training for, for yoga, to become a yoga teacher, when I like, you know, many, many years ago, um, I, it was only after I combined the dance background with the yoga teacher background and then the pelvic floor stuff too, that I really understood how everything comes together. Like just having one of those pieces, it didn't give me, I feel like the full picture enough understanding of movement, um, particularly, I mean, movement in general, um, because everything is connected, but particularly when it comes to the work that we do with um, birthing individuals, you know, you on the prenatal yoga side and me in the, on the pelvic floor PT side. So I love that you have all of those, you know, backgrounds and coming to being able to see live births. It's such a great, amazing a way of truly understanding, you know, what is a patient going through and what are different patients going through? And, and then one thing that always fascinates me about it is, you know, even if you go through birth, you're, you're a mother of two, right? So mm-hmm. going through births yourself, you come in with all of this knowledge to be able to tell people and your your clients, I'm sure, like tons of great information. But then being a doula and seeing so many different people's types of births from different cultures, different backgrounds, I'm sure that information actually probably informs what you oh, do that, in your more Absolutely. And I actually always tell, I teach prenatal yoga teacher training, and I actually tell my teacher trainees, you don't have to have given birth to be a really powerful prenatal teacher because I was teaching prenatal for probably 10 years before I had my son. And I always said that my students were really my teachers, that I would watch how they're moving and I would watch how they work with the poses because I happen to have a very flexible body. And so that doesn't mean that everyone else does. So I can't go by how I feel and assume that everyone else is going to feel that way. So I was able to try out using different props and different cueing to see what was effective as I built this methodology that I now teach. And it was really the years and years of looking at my students 
and listening to them that informed me of what resonates best. So absolutely like the students are the teachers. Absolutely. I completely agree. I even, I, uh, I remember I was speaking to uh, a surgeon once about the same kind of conversation and, you know, uh, the surgeon said, you know, I've never had a knee replacement, but I've done so many knee replacements for so many people with different issues coming in with different backgrounds. And so health like that, that's what informs my practice and being able to deliver the best care is that there's so many people in this world who have like kind of like a similar need, but then they come in with all of the different, you know, the things that make the patient who they are and why we need to customize a treatment plan when you're speaking medical terms or customize and curate a yoga class and, and like use your judgment and not just if there's no cookie cutter approach to it. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I love, I love everything about that. Um, so tell me a little bit about in terms of, you know, when it comes to prenatal yoga and how you work with your clients and how you work with your students in class, what do you feel like are some of the most effective strategies? It could be like anything, whether it's verbal cueing or touching, or what do you feel like is the most effective in helping the pregnant or birthing individual um, understand and really you know, get to know their body more that might be maybe different from a non-pregnant person. What do you feel like is the most helpful? Well, I do think when they start to have a regular practice, checking in with how they feel that day, because the poses are more or less the same, you know, we're going to do down dog, we're going to do cat cow, we're going to do the different warrior poses, but they're different every single time they come on the mat because their baby is growing and they're body is changing. So it's such a nice reflection being on the mat to really ground and be like, how do I feel today? How does this pose feel? How might I want to adjust this pose? Or maybe they're noticing it's harder, which I don't back away from safe safe sensation because I think it's a really good tool to start to learn coping skills. So maybe they're coming into Utkatasana and it felt much more challenging than it did the time before. Great. I'm not going to tell them, they, I mean, they can obviously not do it, but I'll say like, explore that. What does that feel like now? How do you want to work with that? Is your, do you feel like your breath is as supportive as it was last week? Or do you feel like this time you need to do breath and movement? So I think compared to the non-pregnant body, there's more evidence of change. Like <laughs> the non-pregnant body, like I'm a little tighter, but the pregnant body can think, wow, from this week to two weeks ago, my baby had a growth spurt or babies dropped, or maybe their spine feels a little different because as baby gets bigger, we know the spine changes. So I think it's just more of a constant change that's more apparent than the non-pregnant body. I see. And I'm sure bringing awareness to those things, explaining how that all is normal and part of the process is, mm-hmm. can be so helpful for students to just understand like this, like, and I, and one thing that I always say with my patients is I always compare like a pregnant person to a child that's growing, um, and has like growing pains. And so it's like, you're kind of catching up to that and, you might not, you, it just feels different. Like you one week to the next one month to yeah. the next, your body is just going to feel different because your bones are, you know, shifting and changing. Yeah. Your ligaments are shifting and changing. And your, and your center of gravity and things shift. Yeah. As the spine changes, we know we sometimes get that more forward head and then we get more kyphosis. So yeah, everything's changing the way the diaphragm works, the way the pelvic floor works at it all. It's all shifting. Exactly. And I'm sure that people who, um, you know, have had, like you said, a consistent practice, 
um, you know, doing yoga poses and doing the similar kinds of things, they might then enter their pregnancy and maybe getting closer to their third trimester. And when they're really shifting and their body looks uh, and feels so much more different, they're going to feel each of those classes are doing something different for them. And maybe, you know, a particular asana that uh, feels a certain type of way and helps them in whatever way that they imagined before, it's just different. I mean, I don't want to assign better or worse as like a meaning to it, but it's just going to feel different. And I'm sure that you hear that a lot, right? (laughs) I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, just last week, I had a student who started with us at I think 11 or 12 weeks. And then last week she was a little past 40. So she passed her due date and she was, and again, we do a lot of the same poses and what she was saying is like, wow, now down dog is a very different experience. than it was when she first walked in the room, it's like, this is so much harder, but it's her perception and where her body is. That makes it so much harder. Exactly. I love that. Um, so what do you feel like some of like, I guess the most challenging poses that you find for people to get into when they're further along in their pregnancies? What do you feel like is, I don't know, the more challenging. Yeah. The ones that maybe, I don't know if challenging in the sense that maybe you might even avoid going into those during pregnancy during the third trimester. Yeah. There's nothing that I don't, I keep it all pretty much level playing fields. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and we use a way that we use our blocks that think of extensions of our arms. So I keep it pretty well flowing. So I don't separate it for a second, third, except for Shavasana. At the end of class, I don't want my second trimester folks on their back. I'm trying to encourage uh, you know, more ideal fetal positions and they're on their side. But there's nothing that necessarily is harder. It's just they may feel it's harder. But I actually like to include poses that do add physical sensation. So you're the, even the non-pregnant body might feel that. So I came up with this thing years ago, I call it the mock contraction and <laughs> it's through my lens of challenge. So it's a wall squat because I find wall squats very challenging. Now I have some students that think it's, you know, it's easy, um, but a 60 second wall squat because your average contraction is 60 seconds. So it's more about the physical and mental challenge, because when we can work with something that is 60 seconds and it's a challenge we can relate that to birth. And I can, you know, we can start talking about our coping skills. We can start talking about what they gravitate towards. So it's not that any pose that I'm teaching in a prenatal class is uh, like an advanced yoga pose, but we do want challenges so that people can feel when they hit that crisis of confidence of like, wow, this is really uncomfortable. How do they get through? Because as I often say, especially with like the mock contraction, no matter what you plan on doing in your labor, whether it's medicated or unmedicated, you're going to have some contractions that you can't get out of, or like your baby's crying and you can't just run away. You know, so how can we build the toolkit to get ourselves through that really muddy moment. Mm. And so that's where I think about challenging. So yeah, we're not doing um, like crazy arm balances or (laughs) advanced poses, but it can feel challenging in other ways. Yeah. You know, Deb, I really, really appreciate that you're bringing in like the whole psychosocial aspect of this, like that comes with parenthood. Um, And, you know, birth is really a marathon, right? Like the process yes. of everything. And so obviously at some point in history, people were 
you know, especially women were told bed rest during pregnancy or don't really move much during pregnancy. And that obviously has been debunked completely and mm-hmm. all of the research and ACOG and every, every, you know, major medical institution is now hoping that um, of course, unless there are certain medical conditions and certain factors are encouraging the, you know, low risk, uh, patient or low risk, um, parent who's going into labor to have been moving during their pregnancy. Um, and the recommendation is to get in moderate exercise several, several times a week, 30 minutes, you know, a couple times a week, almost every day actually is what the recommendation is. And so, and the reason for that is that just, you know, there's like this kind of misnomer that if you stress your body, that's going to stress the baby. But if you look at, you know, heart health, right. Does anyone ever say that getting your heart rate up is bad for you? It's like the opposite. You need to get your heart rate up. You need to strengthen. You need to run. You need to get cardio. You need to get into a certain level of pumping your heart, uh, you know, a certain number of beats a minute in order for you to maintain good health for your entire body, all of your systems, but especially your cardiovascular system directly. And so that's why it's so important to stress the body and healthy symptom, relatively symptom free. And, you know, I'm sure you talk to your patients or your clients about like sensations that they feel. And, you know, what do you, what, what are you experiencing? You know, is this a stretch? Like, is this feeling like it's painful? Like you can work through that and understand that, right. And move through those things. But it's just so important to make sure that you are moving appropriately and when I say stress the body in air quotes, it's in in ways that are healthy for you so yeah. that you can tolerate the very actually stressful often birth, right, of your child. And so you have to translate that. And then the part that you added here, which is I absolutely love, is the physical stress and the mental stress go hand in hand there. You can't really isolate them. Right. And so I love that you add this mock contraction 62nd bit, because that's so great. Cause you get to really understand like, you know, these contractions are temporary. I'm sure it also gives us like positive feedback loop of there's going to be an end to this. And this is preparing you like the pattern is kind of the same, right? Do your parent or do your clients uh, comment on anything? Like after, you know, delivering. Yeah, actually, I've had a few that have come back and said they thought about that as labor started. And then what was really interesting about the mock contraction when my students noticed this is there's a study years ago about prenatal yoga. And one of the things they said was that we raise our threshold of reaction. So what one time we do the mock contraction, that's what we do a couple of times. So the first time they might be like, oh my God, what is this craziness? And then they're used to it. And then we raise that threshold. So the second time they have the coping skill and they're not quite as overwhelmed. And I think that's a lot like labor. And I did have a student come back and she was saying, eat with each contraction, she reminded herself, okay, I did that one. I can do the next. I each that one, I can do the next. And she's felt like she just kept kind of walking, what'd you say? Like she was climbing up a ladder. And I thought that was really interesting. I love that too. Good visual. And and that's really what it is. You have to, that's a marathon. It's a race. It's a, you have to keep kind of going and going and going and one foot after the other. Yeah, the endurance and the understanding that it's gonna it's gonna stop eventually. <laughs> it's really just like that's like a work. It's anything. It's like a workout. It's like taking an exam, right? It's like 
this too shall pass over and over in our head. This too shall pass. Exactly. Anything difficult, right? There's always going to be an end to it. And so I love that you're tying that in together. Um, So let's transition a little bit into like the birth room itself, because you're Mm. a doula and, you know, you've, you've attended so many births and helped so many individuals. Can you tell us a little bit about how you use your you know, uh, your information as a prenatal yoga teacher, understanding movement and how important that is in that labor and delivery room or home birth or birthing sure. center. Well, I'm not taking births right now. I've taken a little okay. bit of a break from that just because of my kids and schedule, but I have done, I was a doula for over 10 years. So I've yes. been to a birth or two. So the thing that I started to really incorporate towards the end of taking um, clients was I start to get more and more into spinning babies. I'm doing their, currently I'm doing their spinning babies parent educator program. And what I started to try to bring more into the births was really looking at where's that baby, what positions that baby and how is the pattern of labor showing up? So is it a functional birth or efficient birth? That means things are just kind of flowing along or have we hit a stall is thing. And it's totally normal for, you know, labor to have its ups and downs. But what I was able to start to understand from spinning babies and from the prenatal yoga is what can we use from spinning babies and the yoga poses to help the person in labor guide the baby down. And as you totally understand with the pelvis, how can we find some release in the pelvis? So I'm going to totally speak your language, but some of the pelvic floor. So maybe baby's coming into more of the mid pelvis where we know the pelvic floor starts around those ischial spines and maybe baby stalled. So how can we use some of the yoga poses that we've learned to help make a little more space for baby? So I like taking the shapes that we do in class and then start to help baby navigate. Because what I often would see if someone had, um, if someone was stalling out, the first thing when they may say, let's give more Pitocin or let's start Pitocin. So they're adding power to the contraction. But if baby's malpositioned and the chin is away from the chest and now the forehead's trying to push open instead of the back of the head, all that power of the uterus working to get that and all, all that uh, that contraction may not make much of a difference. So can we start to work with the body and work with the baby to readjust things. So it's not just the power of the contraction, it's the contraction helping baby like a little button through a buttonhole find its way through the pelvis. So that gets me really excited knowing that we don't have to just rely on keep hitting her, keep hitting her, but fine, get the power of the contraction going, but where is baby and what can we do to be proactive. And I like to do that even before getting into labor. I like to make sure things, and again, speaking probably your language here, what's happening in the pelvic floor, what's happening in the bony pelvis? Are we well balanced so that when labor starts, we don't have these obstructions? So that gets me excited about not relying on just the pharmaceuticals or for someone saying, oh, baby's too big. Is baby too big or is it baby's position that makes that head circumference bigger? Yeah. What are some of like the worst things to do in that moment? And like when you're really trying to progress labor from a positional perspective? I guess staying still. <laughs> I think movement, like what's to say, like motion is lotion. So I guess just stillness, I think would be the worst that we want to try to 
it doesn't matter if they have an epidural or not. We want to try to move the body. So a lot of hospitals nowadays have peanut balls or the doula may have a peanut ball. So looking at what different shapes we can make. So yeah, I guess just total stillness would be probably the worst. Yeah. And what do you say to, I mean, I know you just said an epidural or not, but what do you say to the, you know, the person who's coming in, like, I'm not able to do as much because of the epidural. How do you navigate that conversation? Well, they still can do a lot. I mean, are they going to be as active as someone without? Not quite, because, you know, we can't get them walking. We can't necessarily get them on their feet, but you can still with the help of your birth team, we can still move them quite a bit. So using the the peanut ball in different directions can still open, depending on where baby is, open the inlet, open the mid pelvis, open the outlet. So I just think we need the knowledge of the birth team there to support. So I'm all for people having the birth they want. I'm never going to tell somebody a gold standard. The gold standard is that someone felt heard and respected and that they came out um, not traumatized. I mean, you could have someone that has what might look like a perfect birth, but felt really badly about something during it, maybe how they were spoken to or pressured into something. So epidural or not epidural, I think just finding a team that supports you and will help your physically help move you would be really great. I love that. I love it. Well, this has been amazing, Deb. Are there anything else, you know, any other points that you want to add, whether it's from the prenatal side of things or, um, you know, when it comes to like actually having a movement practice or when it comes to applying that into the birth room, do you have anything else you want to add to our our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say when you're working, when you're looking at prenatal yoga, make sure you're working with someone that is certified in prenatal and really has a strong background because we can worsen things in yoga if we don't know what we're doing. We can add more tension. That's something that drives me crazy when I'll have a student be like, oh, I've been just doing my Kegels. My doctor said to do my Kegels. I'm like, but do you do you need to be engaging? So I'd say find um, whether it's a pelvic floor PT or a yoga teacher that really understands that and make sure that you're doing a practice that is supportive and understanding what your individual body needs. And then also be, when you're on the mat, take the time to let yourself be safely uncomfortable. And it's not just stretch. We do a lot of strengthening so that everything's more balanced. You know, give yourself the opportunity to find that safe discomfort to build your tools. And then when it comes to the birthing part, Make sure that you have a team that believes in you and supports you. And that is everyone, anyone from your partner to maybe a doula or the care provider that you chosen. So they should be circling the wagons around you, the birthing person, and that you can trust that they really are holding the space for you and will help you advocate for yourself. Um, so that because when you're in labor, whether you're medicated or unmedicated, you don't need to be thinking of some of those extraneous things. So I think, yeah, have the, have a good team and get on the mat. And I'm going to again, shout out for what you do. Pelvic floor PTs, I think are invaluable when it comes to uh, a more functional birth, because we want everything to be supple, not uh, overly in- engaged. Love it. And absolutely right back at you. I think, you know, yoga has been 
crucial for so many people. I'm, I'm so happy that it's, you know, be, you know, like you said in the beginning, 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot out there. And now there's so much more information and so much more research. And so more people are aware, even I, I've noticed over the last several years, when I kind of um, say certain poses that are I think probably more popular in culture, like child's pose or downward dog, more people are like, oh, they go straight into it and they know what they know what that means, which is awesome. Um, But I think the work that you guys do is great. And I highly encourage everyone to reach out and also listen to your podcast. So tell us a bit about that. So I've had my podcast for, I think, seven years. I don't actually remember. Um, (laughs) I know we have over three. I know it's crazy. Uh, It's called Yoga Birth Babies. We have over 300 episodes. And I've had the incredible honor of speaking with some of the world's leaders in pregnancy and birth, breastfeeding and parenting. And it started because I'm a bit of a geek that I was writing blogs for years. Cause I've been doing this for 20 years. So blogs have been, you know, we, we <laughs> blogs were a thing before podcasts and I loved research and I loved learning. And then when someone mentioned podcasts, i thought, wow, this is my opportunity to find people that are really entrenched in this work and have a one-on-one conversation and pick their brains and learn. So it has been so much fun and educational for myself and the community. So yoga birth babies. Love it. And I'll put that in our show links so everyone can go right to it. And where do people find you on social media too, Doug? Prenatal Yoga Center. Amazing. (laughs) Perfect. Easy. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for chatting with our audience today. Um, And hopefully we'll have you on a show another time as well to talk more. Thanks so much. Thank you guys so much for tuning in week after week. Thank you for investing in yourself and your well-being. This podcast is free. We don't sell ads. So if you listened to the show today and gained anything out of it, please share it with your friends, family, and colleagues. And it means the world when you rate and review the show. You can even screenshot this episode and upload it to your social media stories and tag at Sneha Physical Therapy. Subscribe to get updates on new episodes so you don't miss the show. See you again next week with an exciting new guest and topic.